You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. I have a very special guest who's going to be joining us today. Her name is Tiffany Gibson. She is a clinical nurse educator. She's a healthcare diversity and inclusion specialist, and she's the CEO and director of New Nurse Academy. You've seen her on Instagram. So please welcome to the show, Tiffany Gibson. Hi. Hello there. Hi there. Thank you for joining us. How's it going? It's going well. That was a good segue, though. I like that. That was a good segue. (laughs) Wow. It's tough in these hospital streets. I'm just telling you. For the experienced nurses, so I can't imagine Tiffany being a new nurse. But before we get there, can you tell the viewers a little bit more about kind of your experience, your background? Because I know you're an expert and the right person to have on here, but just for other people so they know more about you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm Tiffany Gibson. I am a clinical nurse educator and board certified professional development specialist. I'm out here in Philadelphia. And what I do is help with the orientation and onboarding of new practice nurses. I also assist with a nurse residency for them as well. All that has since changed, though. My background is in pediatrics. I'm a certified pediatric nurse, and I also have a degree in public health. So um, right now, this pandemic is extremely interesting to me just because global health pandemics, endemics, is something that I've been um, looking into for a lot my adult life. And now as a nurse, I'm on the other side of the table looking at treatment and prevention of these things. So that's a little bit about me. So you are the perfect person to have on here. Now, Tiffany, I just have to ask because... Now, I've been a nurse for for quite some time, so I haven't I haven't necessarily gone through orientation as of, of late. But I remember back in the days, like you have your nice orientation, you have your packet, you have your nice timeline, your mentors, your preceptors. You you know you might even have like networking dates and other fun activities you do to you know morale build experiences. Oh, I'm going to the cath lab. I'm going to go over here for a day. I'm going to follow respiratory therapist. What is orientation looking like these days? Because we need these nurses. So I need them to kind of come on through. So So it actually starts from the interview, right? The interview is virtual. You're getting hired virtually. And now orientation and onboarding is virtual as well, which I don't like personally, because I miss the energy of being in front of the new hires. They have lots of questions, lots of anxiety and excitement on having a lot of them their first job or coming into a new role. So right now, um, even just with how the education is being delivered, that has since changed since the pandemic and everything is virtual or learning modules, which is different. You miss that one-to-one human interaction. Um, And then also the amount of time that you have to get a lot of these things done has shortened greatly. So whereby a med search nurse would have between eight to 10 weeks on average, depending on their experience, to get acclimated and onboarded to the unit, it's now four to six weeks. Which, wow. is little, which is not a lot of time, especially when you think of a lot of the new nurses who are graduating don't have the clinical hours that they would have if they were in school. And so they're starting a role um, with a lot of virtual sim clinical experience. And then they're not getting a lot of that onboarding one-to-one orientation for the length of time that they, they would have. So lots of anxiety. Okay, so you you raise a good point. So I remember, so as nurse faculty, the pandemic hit last March. As educators were kind of of the assumption like, okay, hospitals will understand. They'll, you know, they're going to maybe extend or provide for these experiences during your orientation. 
and but that's when we didn't anticipate that the pandemic was going to be stretched out this far. You know, right. we were hoping that would end sooner. So more and more nurses coming through nursing school with, like you said, without that clinical experience, it's simulation. We have labs in class, but I know it's not the yeah. same as taking care of an actual patient. So when nurses are hired, are they asking questions about that? Are, is there any kind of plan to help them gain those clinical experiences? Or is it kind of like, not right now, world pandemic, we'll visit later? Like, what's uh, Not right now, world pandemic. So luckily for me, I'm in an institution that has a nurse residency program. However, the, the new hires don't get into the residency program until after their orientation. And then there still may be some time in between there. So you could start your nurse residency maybe six to 12 months after you've been hired. And by then you've already been around the block and you don't really care about residency at that time. So there's really not a lot of um, hand holding. Um, we understand what you've been through, but we also have patients to take care of. So we need you to hurry up and on board and, 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 and get it together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is it because we're in a world pandemic and hospitals are in need for staff, is it easier for new grads to get jobs nowadays in the hospital? Because there was a there was a point time where a new grads like, I can't get a job in the hospital. I have to go apply at a SNF or a clinic or things like that. Because at the time, hospitals kind of had their pick like, oh, we want more experienced staff to bring on. So, but now we're in a world pandemic. We don't have enough. I know for sure we don't have enough critical care trained staff and not saying that everyone's going to critical care, but hey, we'll take whoever we can, right? Right. Is it easier for new grads to get jobs because of the climate? Yes, it actually, it is a little bit easier. And and here's the thing that I tell my, my clients. Don't worry about your hard skills when you're um, looking for a job because we understand on the hospital side that you don't have the clinical experience. And so a lot of student nurses and new grads are worried about, well, will I be hired because I don't have the clinical skills? We know that part. For us, what we're looking for is the soft skills, right? Do you know how to be a team player? Do you know how to be respectful and cordial? Um, what is your personality like? And can you fit in with the team? Um, and because we need you to fit in quickly. So that's really what we're looking for. So we understand that you may not have a lot of experience and that's okay. We're gonna show you what you need to know to at least start. We're gonna show you what you need to know so you can be safe with the patients and provide safe, competent care. Um, and then after that, we'll we'll circle back and make sure that you have all your pieces in place. But it is a little bit easier for new grads to get a job right now. We, we need you. We definitely need them. And you, I'm so glad that you mentioned that the soft skills, because mm -hmm. I can't teach you how to be compassionate, how to care, how to be a team player, how to listen, how to communicate, because and this is not all new grads, so no shade to y'all, but some of y'all come in like already with your yes. HMS, like all the ALS's certifications. And I'm just like, how'd you get that? You haven't, and then like, you know everything. And although we value the knowledge, we really do. We really, at this time, we just need you to, you could, cause you teach, you can teach as you go. So if you're open to learning, I'm open to teaching. Now yeah. we have a question here, uh, Tiffany. Stephanie, she has a question. She says, should we expect more mistakes? 
So I'm actually uh -oh. glad that she said that question, but to expect more mistakes is to um, is to anticipate error. And that's not what we want to do when we're taking care of patients. Not at all. Now, granted, you may not have the length of time of orientation that we would like for you to have. And you may have more than one preceptor. You may have a preceptor that doesn't know how to precept. We understand that too, because also we're not teaching preceptor class anymore like we should be or that we mm -hmm. need to be. Um, so we understand understand all the variables. However, you still know how to be a safe and practicing nurse. We still want you to do all the rights of med admin. We still want you to ask questions. We still want you to use your resources. We still want you to escalate concerns and advocate. We still want you to speak up. Um, we don't want you to just be out there all willy-nilly. We understand that you have more patients than you would like. We get that. Um, and, and there's just a lot of different challenges at the same time. That does not mean that we are accepting of errors. Um, we still have to be responsible for the care that we give. And if you don't know something, please say you don't know. And um, one of the things I say is I'm not safe. That's code word for stop. I don't feel safe doing this. Um, that you should say that and, and really mean that. And hopefully your leadership hears you and understands. Yes, that's very important. But I'll say this, as you mentioned, you're not, we're not teaching preceptor courses. Mm -hmm. Some nurses, like, we just love them to precept. Like, you're not even my preceptor, but precept me because I love how you teach, you're nurturing in that sense. We have some people, unfortunately, who get assigned to precept because they're of their experience or that's who's left available. And sometimes they can be... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Mean <laughs> or just kind of like suck it up type of thing. And yeah. so it can create. So for sometimes I feel like the new grads, it's hard for them to be honest and communicate when they're working with someone who's so cold and callous and just yeah. like, well, I had to do it. You know, that's just part of it. You just have to go through that and, you know, and you'll just learn it this way. It's just like not caring, not nurturing. So what, what are some tips that you have for nurses who are dealing with preceptors who aren't easy to communicate with or who or will they feel pressured uh, or not, not that they're not getting the assistance or supervision that they need? Yeah, so that's a great question. So first and foremost, you want to know your learning style and try to communicate that with your preceptor, right? And so you may have a preceptor that is kind of trial by fire and they want you to do it first to see if you get it, almost like putting IKEA furniture together without reading the instructions. Um, if that's not your learning style, then you want to advocate for yourself. If you're the type of person that needs to read the process, the guidelines, the policy first, and then go ahead and do it, if you need to see it first and then do it, if you need to practice, this first and then do it. You want to kind of understand how is it that you like to learn and then share that with your preceptor. The other thing too is constant communication and feedback is going to be important. So if you really don't get something, you want to speak up and advocate for yourself and say that you don't get it. Um, and then take the feedback however it's given to you, because not everybody knows how to give feedback, because there's something constructive in there somewhere that can be a benefit to you. And then lastly, you always want to lead with facts, right? So your feelings will be involved, right? Because some of these nurses, and I think that's probably where the saying um, nurses eat their young come from, right? When you have these preceptors who were not trained to educate new hires, and just because they know skill, they're assigned new hires, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I know how to transfer my skill set to you because right. onboarding a new hire takes a lot of other psychosocial work. Um, and so what you want to do is always lead with the facts and not your feelings. <laughs> and, and that and that will help. And that will help with communication. That will help with advocacy. Um, that will help with speaking up for yourself. 
but always with the facts. I recall that people would go through orientation at the end of your orientation or nearing it, you know, there's there check-ins where, you know, how far are you on your skills checklist? How are things going? Let's say someone is getting to a point, maybe they're nearing their, the end of their orientations because now it's only four to six weeks, but right. they're not ready to come off of orientation. Are hospitals doing anything differently to help those people? Are they letting them go? I mean, we're in a pandemic, so the rules are a little bit changed, a little bit different. How are we either helping these, setting these people up for success or perhaps transitioning them to a different area in the hospital mm -hmm. that's less acute? Yeah, so a, a lot of those things are happening. Um, for me, in my role as a nurse educator and a professional development specialist, I'm there to help that new hire along. So whether we need to evaluate what the problem is and why progress isn't being made and possibly put this new hire in a performance improvement plan so that there are um, benchmarks that have to be met by a certain time, that's what I'm there for. So hopefully other educators and other facilities are doing the same. The other thing too is, well, maybe this particular area is a little too acute and fast paced for you. So let's put you in another setting where it's a little bit more slowed down and it gives you time to analyze and get yourself together. So we're doing that as well. Um, and I've also seen where managers will extend orientation an extra week or two, an extra couple of shifts or two to allow the person um, time to prove their competency before they're independent. Yes. Now it looks like we've got some other questions here. Is it Margo? How do I find a nurse resident residency program that offers specialty units? I'm willing to move almost anywhere, but I still struggle to job search for NRPs with the unit I'm looking for, women's health. So there is Trusted Health actually is a really good organization that it's almost like a data bank where you can find where job openings are throughout the country and where nurse residency groups are. You're going to find a lot of nurse residency groups at magnet status hospitals. And so you're going to want to do your research there. Find out what hospitals are magnet status. Find out what hospitals are known for their women's health, maternity, labor, and delivery. And then go in to see what the eligibility requirements are for you to apply for that job. Also curious, so when someone's going on orientation, some, you know, they have kind of this didactic. So there's an actual classroom learning environment, and mm -hmm. then there's on the floor orientation. Are you feeling, and if you can tell us also your hospital and what the benchmark is in the community, are more people kind of sticking more to the on the floor training and less of the classroom during this pandemic? Yeah. Yes, all of my classroom training, which was eight hours worth of training, at least with me for one day, has all been online. So I basically recorded my presentations and then I send my new hires a link. And then I tell them to answer questions at the end, and that's really it. Um, we're, we're more so focused on getting them on the unit and getting them into the clinical setting as soon as possible so that we can we can get their onboarding started. Mm -hmm. Okay. AKA, you're going to hit the ground running and we're, we welcome you, embrace you on the floor. We definitely need the help. I mean, there's lots of, I was going to say, there's lots of burnout right now, you know, um, yeah. over uh, understaffed, high acuity. And so we need more staff to also kind of break each other. We're better in, in larger groups as much as possible. Yeah. There's not a lot of downtime. That's what I'm noticing. I'm, I'm noticing that the nurses in my hospital at this point, we are not afraid of COVID like we were March of mm -hmm. last year, because at least now we understand it. We we have the medication, the treatment, and we know what to do. What, what the problem is now is the lack of downtime in between. 
So it's, it's this either steady pace of high acuity or a surge of acuity, but there really isn't any downtime for people to kind of exhale. And that's where a lot of the burnout is coming from. There's no more break nurse. No more resource nurse, <laughs> nurse has patience, and that's yeah. just what it is. Yeah, you know, some places, I'll be honest, some places have the luxury of having all of these roles. And now during pandemic, we, we can't afford to have those roles. Now, you know, having a, a meal relief period and some type of break in your shift is critical. So you can refresh and rest. That is needed because you need to think straight, yes. not pass out because your sugar is low, but yes. just some of those extra people. Now, what about staff in the hospitals? Like, I don't know, IV teams. I'm trying to think of team, kind of those luxury teams that people, uh, many hospitals had. I, and I think of the IV team as one of them. We still have our IV team because they also place picks and midlines. And so our IV team are, is specialized in central lines as well. So mm-hmm. we still have them and we, we're using them a lot because a lot of our patients oh, need yeah, the, the, the lines, right? But okay. our like wound prevalence team, they've been dismantled. A lot of our other nice teams, yeah. <laughs> our, our nice our, our nice teams, they've been dismantled. They they have um, because they're being utilized for patient care at this point. Oh, yes. I can imagine teams being dismantled and reassigned and other mm-hmm. roles taking on the additional roles. So we have another question here we have from Stephanie. Have you seen a rise in um, GNs leaving due to pressure? I personally haven't at my hospital, no. Uh, We haven't, I I can say that we have a really good nurse educator team. And so we rounds and we follow up with our new hires. We know where our new hires are in the hospital and we do some check-ins with them um, throughout throughout the first couple of months that they're there. And our retention is actually good for new hires. Now, after 12 months, our retention rates do look a little bit different. Um, But for the most part, the mind of the new hire is, I worked so hard to get this job and I'm here. And so they want to keep the job. The other thing, too, is they may want to leave, but they also want to get one year experience on their belt because a lot of the jobs that they want needs experience or at least 12 months working someplace um, in concurrently. So a lot of new hires in the back of their mind may be thinking, yes, I'm ready to go, but they want to get to that 12 mark, um, that 12 month mark first before they do so. What are your recommendations on people who think at that 12 month mark that, hey, I'm ready to go to a travel assignment so the grass is not always greener. Nobody's grass is green right now. <laughs> no, no one's grass is green at all. Artificial grass, y'all. It's artificial <laughs> grass. No one's grass is green. And while you may want to go travel because the money looks good, but you also have to think about it this way. If you are taking on a crisis rate to go travel, you are going to a place that are des- desperate for staff. They're extremely desperate for staff that they're willing to pay so much money um, to have you there. So you're walking into a place that's going to be even more short staff probably than where you're coming from um, and is going to have a lot of things in disarray. And that's why they have travel nurses there at crisis rate. So while you may want the experience, you may want to travel. The money is amazing. Get your coin, right? However, also know that you're going to be working longer hours more days in a row, and you're going into a place that is so extremely desperate that they're paying tens of thousands of dollars to have you there. We had the nurse Julia and Paramers on last week, and we were talking mm-hmm. about high paying assignments, and they are not travel assignments. Those are crisis assignments, yeah. okay? Different. Travel, yeah. <laughs> relax, leisure a little bit, right? Crisis, oh no, sis, 
you're gonna earn that bag. You, you are, are. Earn that bag. You are. They're working like 10 days in a row, 12 hour shifts. Like you were working, you are exchanging your hours for dollars. Dollars is good. What do you feel like at the end of the day? You know, like is is it worth it? Now, Tiffany, just real quick, because I know you you have like new grads at Orient. Are you seeing more people do kind of new to specialty? Like they worked in some other area. Now they're coming to med surge, tele or ICU. So what does that orientation look like? And then also travel nurses. Are travel nurses even getting any orientation these days? Our travel nurses is getting eight hours of orientation and then they start. That's it. Okay. They come in, they do their basic HIPAA modules, their fire modules, their, uh, you know, active shooter modules, you know, the regular <laughs> we do every year. They have one day of that and then that is it. They so are- no more floor, no, not even one day, not no. even one day on the floor. No, it is. They are learning as they are going. And so while yeah. they have patients, they are also learning how to document. They're yeah. learning the, the Pixis. They're learning the computer system as they go. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who thought at the 12 month mark, this is it. This is I'm, my breaking point. I'm out. Travel nurses used to, you know, in my in my facilities, maybe a day, sometimes two days of on the floor of mm-hmm. training just to kind of acclimate. And they were doing, you know, there for 16 weeks. Many times they would extend. And I think that was also a leisure thing to keep them there, right? right. Now, you don't get any of that. So you got to hit the floor running. So, yeah. you know, the orientation that you got as a new grad on your home unit, they're more invested in you. Yeah. You tra- again, this ain't a travel. This is crisis assignments. They're paying top dollar for you. You yeah. know, some of these people are getting upwards of nine and $10,000 a week. You better come ready. You better return this one because she didn't know how to do this. Well, they can do that too. They can cancel your yes. contract if, if you're not if you're not up to speed. But yes, yes, the expectation is that you know exactly what you're doing. This is a new facility, but you know how to navigate yourself in this new facility, and you know how to take care of patients because you you're there to help us. We can't help you. You came to help us. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Our, I don't know where the time went, Tiffany. This has been great. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you back on in the future. But thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. And again, before you leave if you could tell the viewers where they can follow you if you have anything coming up that you may want them to know about so they can participate in please let us know now thank you so i am active on linkedin and facebook however you'll find me a lot on social media um instagram at new nurse academy so definitely come over to instagram and hang out with me there thanks for listening to ask nurse alice visit nurse.org for nursing career education and community resources